the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. So, how's your December going so far? In a bold move that the Buff Nation has been longing for, the University of Colorado has hired Dion Sanders to be its 28th head football coach. After a wait of several months and a stressful final week as we waited for the anticipated announcement, Colorado fans have been given an early Christmas present, with Coach Prime coming to Boulder. I am joined for this podcast by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we will go through one of the biggest off-season weeks in Colorado football history. We'll start with the agonizing wait for the official announcement, with the fears that somehow, some way, the deal for Sanders would fall through. We'll then talk about our reactions to the hire and our thoughts on what Coach Sanders had to say to his team at Jackson State and to his new team in Boulder. We'll finish with a look at the national press reaction to the hire and take a look at the details of Coach Prime's contract. So, is this a pivotal moment in Colorado football history, one which we will be celebrating for years to come? Will Sanders use CU as a stepping stone? moving on before the Buffs can reestablish themselves as a competitive program. Will Coach Prime's personality prove to be an uncomfortable fit for Boulder? Or will he become one of the most popular coaches to ever lead a team on the Folsom Field? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back talking with Bradford, Bradford, how is Highlands Ranch doing this evening? It is a lovely day in Highlands Ranch. We are enjoying uh, some good sunshine. The wind has stopped blowing. It is uh, a lovely day in December. All right. And coming to us live from downtown Denver, Neil Langland. How are you doing? You didn't go, did you go skiing today or not? Didn't go skiing no, today? No, that's uh, tomorrow and Thursday probably. Good storms coming in would be a good time to get the, to strap them on everybody and uh, make a few turns. Downtown's pretty quiet tonight. Again, you know, when the Broncos are not doing well, downtown this time of year is um, quiet. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I mean, the season's over, so I don't know if there's anything new going on, but maybe we'll find something to talk about. <laughs> I thought I saw something on Sports Center the other night. I wanted to ask you guys about it. Yeah. Oh, okay. There, you know, there might be some news in the world of Colorado athletics. 
We're just going to talk about Coach Prime coming to Boulder, Colorado, one of the biggest events in CU history in the last at least two decades. But I'm going to back up on you guys a little bit before we get to the announcement and the final confirmation that Neon Dion and Primetime was coming to Boulder. Neil, was it pretty quiet for you last week? You just out there skiing? Or were you uh, paying attention and sweating out whether or not Deion Sanders was going to be named the new head coach? Were you worried at all? The, the moment I got home, I was down on the computer looking at see you at the game and other websites to see if there was any news because I was surprised how interested I was and how closely I was following me. And it was nice to see, uh, but I always had that thing in the back of my mind about, um, let's see, the guy that ended up at Tennessee that was hiding behind the, the trays or whatever. Oh, Butch Davis? Yeah, something was, something was going to happen. It always does to see you. Yeah. So um, I was just waiting for the other shoe, and I was amazed. Yeah, there were lots of uh, comments along the way of, See you can find a way to, uh, well, keep it a family show. Mess this up. If there's a way to do it, see you would find a way to do it. But it was one of those no news is good news kind of things that the presumption was that Sanders was the favorite, but there was going to be no announcement until Jackson State played the championship game on Saturday. So were you sweating out the no news is good news week, Brad, or were you uh, confident that See you had found its man, and all we had to do is just wait for the uh, calendar to flip over to Saturday, and there would be our, our new head coach. I was not confident until the press release. <laughs> you know, I'm watching everything get filled. It really wasn't until last weekend that it seemed to start to be a reality, um, which is a, a tribute to both Sanders and, and Rick George, because apparently this deal has been bending. And then as the news kept getting better, that's when you start figuring out, hoping that the other positions get filled by somebody else. And so when Wisconsin got filled and then Auburn got filled by, you know, another guy getting another chance, then I began to feel it was reality, except I, until the last minute, I feared that some Cincinnati booster was going to drop a massive amount of money and get him up there. Always, I always, I never expected us to get Sanders not because he's not a great choice for us because I thought somebody would outbid us. And as the good old boys continue to hire more good old boys, my confidence got higher. But as I said, until that press release came out and there was video of Dion talking to his players, I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. Well, Neil, it was, I, you know, I, for my personal, you know, I was checking, Going back and forth between Twitter and Buff Stampede, there was a thread on the 24-7 sports site that got up to 250 pages of posts. <laughs> several, it was literally several hundred thousand views because everybody kept checking in. Mm -hmm. And it was always, you know, hoping not to see anything because if we had our guy, then we knew we'd have to wait till Saturday. The only way there would be any news is if it was bad news. And as you guys have both mentioned, that kind of puts CU fans right in square where they're used to being. 
is <laughs> waiting for you know bad news to to happen. But Neil, what were you afraid of? You were afraid of Cincinnati, South Florida seemed to be a big thing the end of last week, and there was always the concern that you know Sanders might say, you know, actually I'm going to stick around at Jackson State for another year. I'm going to win another SWAC championship. I'm going to go 12 and 0. 12 and one again, win another coach of the year, and then see if there's an ACC or SEC school that has warm time, you know, a warmer climate that I can coach in and I'll, I'll be a coach after, after next season. What were your concerns or fears as we were winding down towards the ultimate announcement? Well, I think Brad said accurately that there was going to be someone coming out of the blue to outbid us. And I thought that was going to be Georgia Tech. And when they filled with their guy, I thought, well, maybe this has a chance. But like Brad, I've seen this happen so many times. There was going to be some dark horse candidate coming up on the outside to take it away from us at the last minute. I didn't have, aside from tech, I didn't really have anybody. But Friday night on ESPN radio, Fitzsimmons, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, they spent a long segment talking about this. And I thought, well, if these guys are doing it, there's got to be some truth to it. So after that point, I stopped, uh, stopped sweating. It was just kind of sitting there tapping my toes, waiting for the uh, announcement. Yeah. Well, I kept getting emails and texts saying, why, where, when, why not? Why haven't we heard? And... Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. And there were people that were tracking private planes. They had it all figured out. They had a plane going from Dallas where Rick George was doing the college football playoff selection committee, going from Dallas Saturday night to Jackson, Mississippi, and then turning around and going to Boulder. And it's like, okay, well, there's a plane that's going to have Rick George on it that's going to Jackson, Mississippi. I'm hoping he's coming back with somebody. So unless something really dire happens, but... Again, until it actually happens, you still had to think that something might come up. What uh, what was your, I'll go back to you, Neil, just real quick. What was your reaction when you finally found out? Because I know what Brad found out because we were, <laughs> we were going back and forth. But uh, where were you when you found out and what was your personal reaction to all this? Well, I had a smelling salts hangover. I was with a friend, I think, uh, when it came over. Um, his email, and I couldn't believe it. I thought, this is a hoax. Someone is just having having fun with CU fans jerking us around, and I was so shocked. I said, I cannot believe this, that this is happening. And for me, that that moment was, I don't know, late Saturday night. And I, I was like, I'm still, I'm pinching myself still, actually. Okay. Well, Brad, how, how would you compare this to, I mean, between the three of us, we've got well over a hundred years of CU fandomness, if that's a word, I'll just make up a <laughs> word. Over a hundred years between the three of us of living and dying with CU football. How, how does this rank in your world of important dates in CU football? Well, I mean, off the field, it's the best. The, there is there is simply no choice. I mean, I remember us, I literally can remember you and I having a discussion when they hired Rick Neuheisel instead of Bob Simmons. 
Yeah. Um, and we're excited that they got what the younger got. But for a hiring decision, for an off-field decision, that nothing compares. We all love Coach McCartney in retrospect, but he got zero attention when he got hired. <laughs> yeah. Not that, not any. You know, we were happy with Hawkins. That turned out to be wrong. Um, we were happy with, you know, Barnett was a sure. good hire. He'd had he'd had a great dominance. Year. RTD. Yeah. And he'd had a successful he'd had a successful run at Northwestern. Yeah. But nothing like this. You know, those were coaching hires. Those were, you know, good, predictable, within the box hires. No, there's nothing like this. It it's it is truly incomparable. I'm Chuck Fairbanks was hired the year with two years before I got to see you. And I know there was some excitement about that. There were certainly some bad decisions about that, but this is not like anything we've been through. Okay. How about for you, Neil, where does it rank in the, the pantheon of memories of CU football that's not actually on the field? Well, most of my memories are from games or seasons where CU finished well in the polls, like 71, where CU finished third uh, behind Nebraska and Oklahoma. In terms of off-field stuff, in a good way, uh, this is tops, but it also, I think, may finally put to rest the negative thing, the, the hangover from the party in 2001 and the scandal that went with it. This may help throw some dirt on that finally and drive a stake in it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of, you know, remember when we, the Daryl Scott or the Marcus Houstons, you know, and those signings and stuff like that, that everybody got super excited about having a five-star players coming to Boulder. And of course, CU being CU, you know, they they tend not to, to work out. Well, my, I think my personal memory or how I think I'd rank this is I go back to the 62-36 game and we obviously, you know, Brad and I, we go back to 2010 and the miracle in Michigan and the orange bowls and lots of other, but it, you know, hopefully a few of the people listening can go back at least as far as 62-36 in 2001. And I remember, you know, I was trying to get down onto the field to get pictures taken. We had to it took so long for us to get down to the field that they were trying to clear the field when we went on there. You know, we just said to the police officer, can we just get in there real quick and get some pictures and then we'll leave. And I think he, I think we actually got the police officer to take the pictures. And then we went out to uncle Fred's tailgate where people were waiting for us, which was the parking lot between Folsom and Libby there and more celebrating, more singing of the school song and, you know, savoring the, the moment, and then I'll I'll never forget this. We were getting ready to leave, and we were there in front of Libby Hall, and we were apparently walking back towards the event center. I think our cars were over on the other side of 28th Street there. And I stopped and looked back at Folsom Field. And of course, this was Nebraska, this was Thanksgiving weekend. So even though it was only like maybe five o'clock or something like that, it was dark. And you can look back at Folsom Field, of course, was still lit up. And it was just like this complete darkness, except for this beacon of light, you know, from Folsom Field. And it was just like, I just had to stop and take 10 seconds and just try and soak in as much of that 
moment as I could, because even though we've been successful, this is 2001, we're coming off the best decade in school history, national championship, 10 win seasons, national rankings. Still, you know, when you get the chance to enjoy this kind of stuff, you know, you got to enjoy this kind of stuff. And this is, uh, if I could just one quick aside for the folks that are listening, if you've been with us, this is the towards the end of the third year for the podcast. And if you've been with us from the beginning and listening to us almost every week, I won't pretend that everybody's been with us for all these podcasts, but if you've been with us for a lot of these, bless you, because it's been a rough three years. If you're listening for the first time, just because you're on the, the primetime train and you're back in the fold of the Buff Nation, we welcome you with open arms, no judgment at all, but uh, glad to have you aboard. But um, I know a lot of people listen to podcasts, you know, whether you're out walking the dog or driving to work, or if you're in Montana, shoveling snow. I want you to hit the pause button on this in a couple of seconds. And I want you to give yourselves 10 seconds just to enjoy the fact that University of Colorado is relevant in college football. We have waited for so long just to be part of the conversation. So give yourself a few minutes, a few seconds, just hit the pause button. We'll be here when you come back and just look up at the sky or, you know, if you're driving Pay attention to the road, pay attention to the dogs, whatever you're doing, but uh, give yourself a couple of seconds to just say, wow, this has been a really great weekend. It's nice that we don't can wear CU gear without trying to hide it with something else. You can uh, be proud to be a Buff fan. So thank you for being with us and, you know, enjoy the moment. No, I mean, it, that's, that's perfectly said, Stuart. We, um, because we've had these moments, because we've walked away from the stadium in Seattle, having watched that win, because we've thrown ourselves on the floor when Rocket Ishmael returned the punt and then jumped up when the flag was on the field, because we've watched Rashawn Salam walk off with the Heisman Trophy. You got loving a college football team, unless you root for Alabama, I guess is always an up and down process. We've had many more downs. And to get to enjoy this kind of moment, most teams don't get this. We've had them in the, in the far past. Hopefully we will have them in the future. But if you, you're right. If you don't stop and appreciate this kind of second, you're not really understanding what it's like to be a fan. Well, Neil, if there is anything that improved from Saturday night, it came on Sunday afternoon when I think Neil Welk put it really well that uh, Deion Sanders is already 1-0, having won the press conference. I don't think there's any Buff fan that would have much bad to say. What was what was your reaction to the, the press conference and how it was handled and what uh, Coach Sanders had to say? Well, just his entire affect was refreshing based upon what we've had. No, um, nothing against Carl Durrell or other coaches, but it's nice to see someone with energy and with force. And, and I don't know, there's a, a checklist, I think, that you want 
and a coach. And I think he checked all of them. And there are things like charisma and a vision and some sense that he knows what he's doing, as well as sort of a magnetic personality that we haven't had here in a long, long time. And that alone sold me that this guy was going to be something special. And all the way through, it just kept getting better and better, the way he would answer questions and the way he would express it with such force and confidence without being obnoxious or, or cocky. I, I thought he balanced it very well. I thought he was very poised and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I look forward to seeing what he's gonna be doing, not only on the field, but uh, in the press and in interviews. I think he's gonna put CU firmly back on the map just with his personality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. I pointed out to Stuart, one of, one of my favorites, John Wilner, who works for the Mercury News, who, and who writes as well about the Pac-12 as anybody. His tweet on Sunday was, can't we have the Pac-12 press day now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just, it, it, what you appreciate about Sanders is, of course, one, his background, he has a resume that when he says, I know how to win, you have to listen to him. But Every time he gives one of his inspirational quotes, uh, which he loves and he writes down and he recites beautifully, it's followed with then a practical application. He's not just preaching. He's telling you, this is what I believe and this is how I believe in getting there. So as he talks about, I'm not here, you know, I'm here to show up. The next step is we've got to know how NIL works. We've got to work on the transfer rules. We got to work hard, you know, this kind of thing. He, he brings with him strong experience on the practicalities of doing it. There's a lot of guys who can talk, although we haven't had one for a while. And then there are guys who can do. And it's not just that you want to run through a wall for him. He's going to point out the place in the wall that's best to run. Nicely <laughs> said. Yeah. Well, Neil, you also there's videos of him talking to his team before he left and talking to the CU football team when he got to Boulder. Some people had different comments about how he did what he did, what he said when he said it. Do you have any thoughts about either his comments to the Jackson State team or to the remaining Buff Buff players in Boulder when he got here? I thought the telling thing was when he addressed the the buffs. Uh, I watched that entire video and his basic message was, I'm here, I know what I'm doing. Things are gonna change. You're either on the bus or off the bus. So let's get going. And that kind of straightforward uh, approach to it, I thought was quite refreshing. And seeing someone that was confident in himself and in what he was going to do, I think probably inspired some of those players. May have, may have intimidated some others, but he showed that he was firmly in charge and knew what he was doing. Okay. Well, Brad, let me read you one of the, the quote of what he, you know, when he talked to the CU players, and some folks have taken some issue that this was a little too harsh, and the players that lived through what they lived through should be given a little more credit. 
It's going to be a lot of work, Sanders said. How should I say this? We're going to try and make you quit. Those of you we don't run off, we're going to try and make you quit. That's what the offseason is going to look like. I want the ones that don't want to quit, that want to be here, that want to work, that want to win, that want to be appreciative of every darn thing they've given you here. That's what it's going to look like, a heck of a lot of work. Now, a fiery speech or something uh, maybe a little lighter would have been more appropriate for the those poor souls uh, wearing the black and gold this past year that certainly tried and maybe should be given a little more credit for what they did. If we believe that college football is a meritocracy, that effort combined with talent gets you results, then and Dion does, then it is the right speech to give. It is unfortunate. But one of the reasons we hired Dion is he doesn't have a tie to CU. He's not here. He has no tie to those kids. You know he cares about his players because we saw what he said to the Jackson State kids. Correct. Okay? And how well he handled that. So we know he's not a cold-hearted guy. We know that he cares about the players that he knows, but he also knows that this team is not good. And one of the reasons they're not good is they're under-talented. And perhaps one of the reasons they're not good is they were poorly coached. And perhaps one of the reasons they weren't good as a result of those two things, they weren't working as hard as they could. And so for Dion to come in and say, this is how it has to be, I think in that particular context was correct. You know, he's not Lincoln Riley coming into USC, <laughs> bringing in, you know, all the, I don't know what Lincoln Riley said to all the people that he was firing for the Oklahoma transfers that were coming in. But it may have been nicer than that. And different coaches have different ways of approaching it. But we now know who Dion is. And one of the things that's going to change is Carl Durrell, when he would deign to speak to us in a monotone, would tell us nothing. <laughs> we're going to know what's going on with Dion. He wants everybody to know. He lives an out front life. He understands social media. He does documentaries. This is how it's going to live. And so I guess I'm going to take a coach who, if he's going to say those necessary things to his players, he's going to say them with a camera on him and he's going to take the heat if people don't like it. Yeah. Well, he certainly has the camera on him all the time. Um, they even had the camera on him when he toured the, the champion center for the first time, which I think was probably maybe a bit ill-timed because I saw on the clock, um, one of the meeting rooms as they were going through was one seventeen, and this would have been AM on Sunday morning. And I don't know if Jackson, Mississippi is central time or Eastern time. I think it's central time. So it would have been two seventeen AM on his body clock on a day where he got up that morning, getting ready to coach in a championship game and then have to deal with the emotion of dealing with his players, then get on a plane and go to Boulder, Colorado. So, you know, we kind of wandered through the champion center, not exactly in awe, um, not that he would be in awe having played for the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers, the Atlanta Falcons and two other NFL teams. And Oh, by the way, five major league baseball teams, but you know, what probably wasn't some of the reactions that, you know, they would have might've hoped for, and oohs and ahs, but uh, other than that, all the videos he's been in over the last couple of days coming to Boulder. Neil, what was 
What was your reaction just watching primetime television? I, I loved it. He demonstrated that he was, as Brad said, straightforward. Um, I'm going to say this, camera on or off. Uh, I'm energetic, and I'm going to commit myself. Here's my dime on the table. If you want to stay here, you have to put your dime. You have to dedicate yourself to it and work as hard as I am. And I, I think coaches talk about setting a culture. In that half hour that he was talking to the team, I think he set down exactly how the kids are going to have to behave in order to stay on scholarship at CU. And I was impressed with it. And he didn't do it in an abusive way. He did it, I think, in a very straightforward, matter-of-fact way. So watching him and just the energy and the endless ability to think on his feet, I'm, I was very surprised. I didn't know what to expect. But that kind of energy and eloquence is a welcome addition and something we've needed for a long time. Yeah. Well, we've had a chance now, Brad, to gauge some of the, the national reaction to the Sanders hire. And I think for good, bad, or indifferent, I mean, anyone short of Deion Sanders would have been met with uh, probably a collective shrug by the rest of the planet that, you know, if it was Tom Herman or if it's Bronco Mendenhall or Ryan Walters or, you know, pick a name, they've been like, okay, well, see who's going to try and strive for two or three wins next year and they're terrible and let's move and talk about something interesting. University of Colorado has been trending, you know, when it comes to Twitter and Instagram and ESPN. Did you read, have a chance to look at some of the national pundits and what they had to say about the hire and do you agree with what they had to say? Uh, yeah, I've heard quite a bit of it. I mean, literally I'm watching NFL Red Zone yesterday and it's on the ticker. I don't think Bronco Mendenhall would have made that. Um, I, you know, driving today, listening to the ESPN morning show, and they talked to Paul Feinbaum about the college football playoff. Who's going to win the Heisman? And did see you make the right choice with Dion? The Dan Levitard show has a section on it. None of those stories would have been written about anybody but Dion Sanders. I have yet to see anybody who thinks it was a bad hire for CU, with the exception of the the odd Twitter troll. Um, yes. Everybody agrees that CU got a guy who can energize and make the program better. The only legitimate question is how long will he stay? Is this a stepping stone? If he gets us to a bowl game next year and in the conference championship the year after that, everybody expects him to be in the SEC or the ACC. We are, by the way, all big Florida State fans. Yes. For the next few years, we'd like Florida State to be a good nine, ten win team. Yeah, and keep Mike their Norville coach. forever. Yeah, Mike their Norville. <laughs> <laughs> That's legitimate. Honest to God, we we overreached to get Deion Sanders. That's what everybody thinks. And there are worse things, you know. We should it was not us overreaching. We we got out of our we stepped up in class. And if that's the way it is for two or three years, you know, it's better than Bronco Mendenhall spending the next five years getting us to seven and five. Yeah. So when was the last time on college game day 
that CU had any footage at all that was based on something that CU did. On that show Saturday, they devoted a good five minutes talking about CU, talking about its history, talking about how Sanders was going to affect it and how this might affect scheduling next year. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering if with Nebraska's new coach and our new coach, if we may actually get a visit from college game day when Nebraska comes here to Folsom, that would never have happened without Dion. I mean, some of the things that he has done so far just by signing on the dotted line have elevated CU from the swamp of insignificance to something where people are actually interested in talking about. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I already, I, one of the conversations I had with Brad is I'm going to go through the FBS schedules next year for next September 9th and see what the top 25 teams are going to be doing and what other potential matchups there are that might be better than Nebraska Colorado for college game day to attend to see where we might rank. Of course, part of it might be whether or not CU stinks it up against TCU on the road in the opener. But yeah, there's a, a buzz about Colorado that wasn't there before. Uh, Brad, ESPN gave the higher A minus. Um, and I think it was only qualified on the idea that, you know, he has not coached at the power five level. And he would, he said, it wasn't a Colorado thing you know, said I would give it to A- minus to anybody, even if it went to Cincinnati or Auburn or anything like that, simply because there's a qualifier there that we don't know whether or not he can coach at the Power 5 level. But, you know, it's a home run hire. I think Neil Welk put it, you know, is this a home run hire? He said, nah, it's bigger than that. Hmm. Um, you know, so other than Dennis Dodd at CBS that apparently thinks Boulder is still stuck in 1968, most of the stuff I've read, Stuart Mandel said, you know, this has been anything is possible kind of situation. And Bruce Feldman, also at the Athletic, you know, said that, you know, fans were positively giddy. And I think that's probably a fair statement. It's a it's a win-win, you know, as you were talking about. If he wins a conference championship and leaves, well, he's going to leave behind a legacy of a team that can win. Is there any downside? At this point, I can see none of the national reaction I saw said this is an obviously a, a negative thing other than, like you say, some some trolls that uh, say that he was either abandoning uh, historically black colleges or that he, you know, was a prima donna and would flame out and uh, would leave in a shadow of scandal. It, you know, I, of course, there's a chance this could fail, of course, stepping up in class. It could be a problem. This, you know, of course, part of the way he won it at Jackson State was he he recruited vastly better players than the rest of the squad. That ain't going to happen in the Pac-12. Um, but we've certainly have found out that recruiting vastly worse players isn't helping. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, it's we're we're in. Everybody knows we're in living rooms we never would have been in. We're on transfer portals we never would have considered. We're hiring assistant coaches who never would have looked at, found Boulder on a map. All of that could go bad, but the national press understands that in this era of transfer portal and NIL, 
more than any other time, attracting attention is vital. And from the moment he stepped on a football field, Deion Sanders knew how to do that. And the fact that he has carried that over and continues to do it, he is the coach for the 21st century. He understands how the process works. Um, so I'm not surprised that the national folks are all excited. Um, and again, I'm really glad that the Fuddy Duddies and the good old boys in the SEC and the ACC don't understand that. We're willing to, yeah, to take a chance. I think, yeah, the Sports Illustrated article on it, I think, was something along the lines of, if this works out, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have some explaining to do. And yeah. that might very well be the, the case if Deion Sanders is the right guy in the right place at the right time in the, the way of the transfer portal world and the NIL world. I, I did like his comment about, I'm not about NIL, I'm about NFL. And, <laughs> you know, getting these guys to the NFL and not worrying about, you know, how much money they're making in, in college. So, which is obviously helpful for Colorado, but yeah, if you see some of the comments about how much, you know, people buying season tickets, people donating to the collective and the buff club and, and stuff like that, it seems like people are certainly energized. And Neil, you're our contract guy. You're our numbers guy. So I'm going to give you some numbers about Neon Dion Sanders contract and get your reaction to some of this. What we've learned so far is it's apparently a five-year contract. This has been reported by Brian Howell at the Daily Camera. Five years, $29.5 million. Starts out at $5.5 million in 2023, goes up $200,000 each year. Uh, assistant salary pool of $5 million, which is a million more than what Calderell had to work with last year. Um, and Calderell made $3.6 million, for those that are wondering what that, how that compares. So from 3.6 million to 5.5 million. And if we were looking at 2022 numbers, it would have ranked Deion Sanders number five in the Pac-12 in terms of salary, actually ahead of Dan Lanning at Oregon, who's 4.7 million. Again, that might obviously go up in 2023, but last year or this year, 2022, he made 4.7. Chip Kelly, 5.6. Kyle Whittingham at Utah, 6 million. David Shaw, who's no longer the coach at Stanford, made $6.6 million. And then Lincoln Riley works for a private university, but everybody just assumes he's making as much money as he wants. So um, the University of Colorado is stepping up in class. And of course, we're still paying off the Calderell contract for the next couple of years. So Rick George was naturally asked about how are you paying for all of this since you weren't paying Carl Durrell this money and didn't seem to have it. And now you have it. And his quote was, we don't have the money yet, but I know we'll have it. So I'm not worried about that piece. So based on those numbers and I'll, oh, one other set of numbers I'll give you, which I think is very significant for Buff fans, the buyout. Those of us that are scarred by the Mel Tucker years, which is not that long ago, you know, leaving in the middle of the night, midnight, Mel, the buyout after one year is $15 million if he wants to leave. Colorado's going to get his salary plus an extra $9.5 million to pay somebody else. Now, of course, if he leaves for the SEC or the ACC, you know, that's couch change for Alabama to come up with $15 million to pay for his buyout. But still, you'd think it would be a deterrent. 
it goes to 10 million after the second year, 5 million for each year of the contract after that. So at least CU seems to have learned its lesson with regards to not having somebody come and you see as a stepping stone after only going five and seven. If you want to abandon CU, you better be good at it. You know, be good on the field and leave us with a, a polished and finished product. So all those numbers I just threw out at you, anything that jumps out as far as either the contract numbers compared to Drell or the term or the buyout or any of the above, what stands out to you? I think it's a bold move for a school that just doesn't have that money sitting around somewhere and is also in debt to the university and also has a significant debt load for stadium improvements and so on. Commend Rick George for being able to sell this to the CU administration and the regents to put this money out there to make them understand that in order to, for football to improve, we had to have more pay for the head coach and a lot more pay for assistant coaches, consultants, and so on. So I, I have been complaining along the lines of CU really hasn't been serious. They've just kind of been moping along and just kind of getting by. This is a big step forward, a bold step. And it's one that all of us have wanted CU to take for a long time, and they've finally done it. I'm convinced that there's probably going to be revenue sources in addition to ticket sales, which should be very good, from merchandise and other things that will help CU pay for this. So I'm, I'm amazed that they were able to come this high. I thought they were going to be somewhere around four and a half. So I'm, I'm very impressed with what Rick George has done. Yeah, and before we, we can't give credit where credit is due, I don't think any of this would have taken place without Todd Solomon, the president. Brad, you, you know, comments on the, uh, the contract numbers, on the president, on the board of regions getting through this, or how about the uh, Phil DiStefano announcing a pilot program to allow transfers to sneak on through? But in the press conference, make sure it's like, well, that's for all students. It's not just for student athletes. This is for everybody. We're going to improve transferability for all of our students because we are a big, bad university and we are wonderful and we are not going to let allow just anybody into our front door, but we're going to let a few people in, you know, on a pilot program. Well, I mean, first of all, has anybody seen Phil DeStefano look that excited about anything in the last decade? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like somebody fired up Phil. One of the issues has been, we have talked about this, everybody has talked about it, is there's a feeling that the administration didn't support the athletic department, um, that they were fine. That, you know, the Phil Stefano didn't much care if we were one in 10 or three and eight or whatever it was. And that if you quizzed him, he might not even know that the regents were looking elsewhere, that the president was focused on other issues. Um, the, I mean, don't, I don't think anybody doubted that Rick George was doing his best, but again, the, it hadn't worked out. And somehow, and I think this is in part the force of De, on Deion Sanders' energy and name, I think it is unquestionably part of Todd Solomon, who I was impressed, showed up at the press conference, but did not speak at the press conference. It showed that the administration, at least for now, at least for this hire, is willing to go all in 
on athletics. Now, I don't want to reduce the Colorado Athletic Department to the football team, but it is the front. I'm glad that the women's basketball team is doing well. I think the men's basketball team will come together. Ski season is coming. (laughs) Okay. But that we are going to make this attempt again. And I agree. I don't think without it, without the new president and the energy he brings that this would have happened, but it's to see everybody there. Yeah, we were all good giddy, but it was the right people who were giddy. It was the, it was the board of regents that was there. Everybody knew that they'd done something right. And when you have a group of people who don't always get along with each other, come together and agree that they did the thing that they wanted to do, that just makes you feel good about the future. Okay. Well, we're going to run long as we usually do, but Neil, before we go, any last words or memories from this uh, past eventful week or the last eventful couple of months leading up to the hiring of Dion Sanders to be the head coach at the University of Colorado that you're going to want to pass along to the, the Buff Nation? I got an email today from Coach Prime <laughs> saying, you know, get on board. It's time to renew your tickets. And up until last weekend, I wasn't sure if I was going to renew or if I was, I was going to buy a nosebleed up in the, the horseshoe. So I slapped my card down today and I renewed. Good and I And I'm thinking that there are probably a lot of other people that are renewing now amidst all this. And there are others who never even thought about buying a season ticket who were now thinking about it. So if you're thinking about it, this looks like we're in for some fun and we're in for some relevance and the days of dreading watching a game or dreading going to Folsom those are coming to a close. So look upon this as an opportunity, as you were talking about earlier, Stuart and Brad, of appreciating something where CU did something right, and you're going to be proud to be a buff. Okay. Well, Brad, any final words of wisdom before we... Uh... We're obviously going to talk a lot about the recruiting class of 2023 in the future. We've got assistant coaches that are going to be hired that we're going to be talking about. There's lots of stuff to talk about in the near future. And, oh, by the way, it's we're excited to talk about it. But uh, mm-hmm. now we have a new head coach, the 28th head coach of the University of Colorado. Any final words you'd like to pass along? There is nothing better than a fan than to be a fan with something to be a fan about. I, I hope it will be on the field, but for now, I'm just going to lay awake at night and think about how fun this is, and I hope everybody else is as well. Excellent. Well, thank you both um, for, along with the people that have listened to the podcast or doing the podcast and all the work that goes into putting the podcast together. Uh, we've strived through some bitter times and some really tough times, and now for the first time in a long time, we have hope. And we have a reason to believe that we're going to put a competitive product on the field and it's going to be fun to be at Folsom. So we'll get together in a couple of weeks to talk about the recruiting class of 2023. But until then, Neil, happy skiing. Brad, take care of the puppies. You know, Daisy, my good friend Daisy right there. (laughs) (laughs) We will talk to you both soon.
Good night, guys. Good to see you again. Go back. Thank you both for listening to this podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation, which is finally being rewarded for its loyalty. I hope that you are subscribing to this podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are proud to be part of their podcast network. As before, you can find the See You at the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See You at the Game website. I will be back soon with Neil and Brad, and we'll be talking about the CU recruiting class of 2023, as well as the assistant coaches who have joined Coach Prime in Boulder. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.